And uh, thank you so much uh, for, for having us today. And uh, just also just really enjoyed the worship time as well. Um, and uh, so thank you guys for serving us. And that's when say so. I'm my name's Dave. Uh, as as uh, Caroline said, I work for 313. We've got a few of us here uh, this morning. So if you uh, are part of the 313 family, just give us a little wave. I'm not going to embarrass you, but just give us a wave. So uh, we've got Steve. Uh, we've got Jill, also known as Rosie's grandma. That's what you're known as here, Jill, isn't it? Okay. We've got Helen. We've got John. Anyone else? We've got Clem. And uh, actually, uh, Hannah Roderick is part of your family, but uh, she she decided not to come to, and she didn't decide not to come, she was taken to a party. I think the truth is, is that she heard that all her workmates were coming to her church, and she thought, I can't be dealing with that, so she went away. But uh, but we have got Simon Mitchell, who's not technically, he works technically for the Message Trust, but you're part of the 313 family, because we do a lot of work together, and Simon looks after a lot of our learners, and has done for a while. So uh, so there's a few of us here, so thank you so much uh, for having us, Uh, and actually a particular well done to John and uh, Nicola, who've driven all the way from Sunderland to be here this morning. Uh, so thank you guys uh, for that. And they also remembered to put the clocks back as well. Sorry, clocks forward, forward. Yeah, so uh, Caroline said to me beforehand, uh, as the clocks have gone forward an hour, I get an extra hour to preach this morning. Is that all right with you? So, uh, so we've got a lot to get through. Um, so let me just, I'll just briefly tell you in a nutshell uh, who we are. And then uh, actually a little bit later, Steve is going to get up and uh, tell you a bit more about uh, why and how this was formed. But we're a charity. We're based over at the Oakwood Centre, which is the home of Tease Valley Community Church. And uh, we're a part of Taking Ground, family of churches, of which this church, MCC, is a part of as well. So we're in a family together. So we're like your cousins. Okay, which is fine, as long as we're not the weird uncle that visits now and again, uh, that's all right. But uh, we are a family together, and uh, what we do is we help people that are out of work, um, that might have a few challenges in life, and we do some work experience and some qualifications to help people move forward in life, maybe get a job and uh, improve confidence, and uh, we do that through various different ways, and Steve will share a little bit more about that later. We have got a pull-up banner at the back and at the end when you're getting some tea and coffee uh, if you would like to come and talk to us, if anyone who, is, who might be out of work that might want to come and do uh, one of our programs or know somebody that is uh, not working at the minute or not in education at the minute would like some work experience, then please come over to the back. Or do you know what? Even if you just want to encourage us, pray for us, uh, come and see us after the meeting. We would love to talk to you more. Um, but today, uh, I want to actually speak uh, from Isaiah 61, and I've called uh, my preach this morning, Christ-Centered Ministry. And when I say ministry, we probably immediately think about a church ministry. We think about kids' work, or youth work, or outreach as a ministry, which all of those things are. But actually, the word ministry uh, is a Greek word. I'm going to try and pronounce this, okay? So it's diakoneo. Let's just nod and pretend that that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Diakoneo. That just basically means to serve. That's what ministry means, to serve. And so therefore, 
Although we have wonderful, great ministries in the church, in 3.13 you'll hear more about how we are serving. Actually, ministry can be anything in serving. You can reach out to your neighbor. You can serve your neighborhood and people on your street. You can, uh, if you're a, a mum, you might reach out to the other mums on the school run and invite them over. Ministry can be anything that is serving. Uh, in fact, one of our, I can say this because he's not here, we've got a member of staff called Matt who who, uh, he, he has a particular ministry reaching out to a guy called Anth who runs a burger van down the bottom of the road from our work. So he goes to visit Anth every Friday morning. It's his ministry. And he comes back with a bacon sandwich maybe with a sausage in there as well, maybe a, a bit of egg in there. And he's been faithfully serving in this ministry every Friday for many years. Uh, but Ant hasn't got saved yet, so he started reaching out on a Wednesday as well. He's suffering for the kingdom of God. But the sad thing is, there's also a few guys that run a salad bar, and no one's reaching out to them. But... For the kingdom, of course. So, although actually we're going to look at Isaiah 61, I'd like if you've got your Bibles with you to turn to Luke, uh, because Jesus reads out Isaiah 61, and uh, so we're going to look, turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and this is uh, at the start of Jesus' ministry, and uh, one second. So chapter 4, verse 16, and it says this, I'm reading from the ESV version, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He took, up, took it up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began uh, by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And we're going to pause there. And actually this, this story begins actually back one in, in verse 14. Uh, and in the title in my ESV Bible, the title uh, says the start, the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, he begins by reading Isaiah 61. He could have read anything from the Old Testament. He could have read anything from uh, Exodus or Numbers or Leviticus, but he chose to turn to Isaiah 61. Why? Because Isaiah 61 is at the heart of the gospel. And by reading this out, Jesus is announcing that his ministry is, is not about necessarily dealing with the Romans, which is what all his followers and hearers were hoping he was going to do there and then, just 
beat them up for as Jesus. Um, but actually, it was come, he, said, he was announcing there that his ministry was, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, proclaim pri- uh, freedom for the prisoners, and set the oppressed free. And it was interesting how we heard earlier from the scripture from Leviticus as well, that God is definitely saying something about setting the captives free uh, today. And Jesus is saying, no, this is the heart of my ministry. This is what I've been anointed to do. So at the start, I said this, I'm called this Christ-centered ministry. Now, why am I saying Christ-centered ministry? Well, because actually we can serve in all sorts of different ways. And actually, we're Christians. We're not the only ones serving the poor in Teesside and in the city. There's lots of amazing, great projects that are going on. Lots of secular charities that are helping those caught up in human trafficking and helping setting people free and feeding the poor. But Christ-centered ministry, what I want to talk about today, is all about Jesus. It's Jesus that is glorified through the ministry. It is Jesus that is made famous because of the work of the ministry. It is Jesus that is glorified and made famous, and he gets the honor and the praise through the good work that is going on. And when things go well, and when lives are transformed, Although we can encourage each other and say, well done to those who are involved, it actually points to Jesus as the one who is transforming lives. Jesus, the one who saves. Amen? So, how do we do gospel-centered ministry? Well, in verse 1, it starts by saying that, that he was filled with the Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And Jesus has just been baptized. And if you remember in the story after his baptism, he said the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And he's been filled with the Spirit. He has to be filled with the Spirit to begin his ministry. How many, uh, hands up if you've been filled with the Spirit at all. Hands up, give me a wave if you've ever been filled with the Spirit. Brilliant. Because If we're filled with the Spirit, we are filled with more of God's goodness. We're filled with more of His power. We are filled with more of His presence. We are filled with more of His love. We are filled with more of His joy, His peace, and His patience. When we are filled with the Spirit, we begin to reflect Jesus to those around us. And Do you know what? It's not just a one-off either. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and he goes on being filled with the Spirit. And so should we, that we need that constant reminder to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, to empower us for what he has called us to do. And so, actually, it's, it's uh, one of the nice things. When we do some training at the Oakwood Center, and they arrive on Monday morning, We get all sorts of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, and many of them may have had a tough time, and many many might be experiencing loneliness. But what happens time and time again when people come into the center is they always say the same thing. They say, there's a nice atmosphere here. Oh, the people are, are, they're not just nice people, but there's something different about this place. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence that 10 minutes before, we're all in a prayer room praying and asking God to come because we can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in our own strength. So therefore, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit and we reflect Jesus, people around us notice. They notice there's something different. And they notice that there's something that you have that I haven't got. And so actually, and Steve will share a bit later about some of the ways that we've been able to evangelize. It's actually been, in a way, on day one. We can sometimes use people's own words. Would you know you notice something different? That's Jesus. Jesus, the presence of Jesus in my heart. I have become a Christian. I know Jesus. And you can too. So, uh, first thing when we're doing gospel-centered ministry is we need to be filled with the Spirit. And second of all, uh, it says that Jesus says, the Spirit is, a lot, uh, is upon me because he has anointed me. And Jesus was aware of his anointing. And we need to be aware, what has God anointed us to do? What has he anointed you to do? Jesus confidently says, actually, those words from Isaiah, I'm, they're being fulfilled today. The Spirit is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news today. It was no Britishness about it where, oh, sorry, apologize, uh, you know, put no apologies beforehand. No, sorry if this offends anybody. He just says, Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's fulfilled in me today. And anointing means this. Anointing means it's a symbol that God has chosen and set us apart for a specific purpose. Now, sometimes we associate that with everything that goes on in church. There's no doubt that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed Justin to lead worship. This morning was anointed. Amen? In the worship time, we could sense that God's presence was here and God has anointed the band and Justin to lead us in worship. Amen? But you know that God can anoint you in your situation, in your world as well, for what you have called to do. We don't just need anointed worship leaders. We need anointed students bringing good news to the students in Teesside Uni. We need anointed mums who are reaching out to all the mums on the school run and actually gathering and serving. We need anointed people in the community grocers. We need anointed people across Teesside. We need anointed teachers. Man, I wish we had some anointed politicians. Wouldn't that be amazing? The world would be a better place if we had some anointed politicians, all right? But we need more of people who are anointed and got, and it's directly linked to the call of God, of what God has specifically called people to do. Now, when I was seeking God and saying, God, what have you anointed me to do? What's my anointing? I know I'm anointed to play the drums, but what else? By the way, I'd love to play drums for you one time, you know, I'll be, if you would have me. <laughs> Just inviting myself back. I have to be careful when I'm standing worshiping. I start doing this, and people just think I'm weird. I'm air drumming because that's what I do. I, you know, I just love watching drummers and uh, and wish wanting I can participate. Um, where was I? <laughs> so we, in order to know what your anointing is, do you know what? Actually, I had to learn what I wasn't anointed for. So, for example. Um, I know that I'm not anointed, 
in running finances for 313. All right. No, Jill's nodding her head. Fortunately, the Lord has anointed Jill to, to bring, to sort out the finances for 313. You see, if I was in charge of the finances, we had this idea a few years ago to do gardening and landscaping. And I thought, I know, I know what we need. We need to spend our whole budget and buy a digger. And everyone was like, what? I was thinking, yeah, we need to buy a digger. For 313, that's what we need. We need this for our gardening course. And the guys were like, well, that would be our whole budget. We couldn't even afford to take on any stuff. I went, yeah, but we'd have a digger. You know, people from all across Teesside will come and do our course because we got a digger. And like, forget doing gardening. Let's dig up gardens. Like, let's do a new course in digging up gardens and causing havoc. And then just sort of do something with all the soil. And then the rest of the team said, Lord, Dave, you know, the Spirit of the Lord has not anointed you to make these kind of financial decisions. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, uh, shall I sort out the admin then? No, he's not anointed you to do admin. Unfortunately, we've got very different members of the team. So I wandered into the carpentry workshop and John and Clem said, get out, Dave. He's not anointed you to do carpentry. But Jesus was a carpenter. Yes, he was, but you're not. <laughs> you need to find your calling somewhere else. Oh, man. So, so, so they sent me out. And so, therefore, that's why I go out to businesses and to employers and to uh, different providers and look for some provision and tell people about what 313 do. And we've been blessed over the last few years because we've, been, we've had favor from God through colleges and job centers and the DWP that finance us to be able to do the work that we are doing. But let me tell you this, that gospel-centered, Christ-centered ministry we need to be filled with his spirit and we need to know what we are anointed and what we are called to do. But finally, this is going to sound very simple, but in order to do Christ-centered ministry, we actually have to talk about Jesus. All right? Like I said earlier, there's lots of amazing projects that go on. There's lots of responses to serving the poor and serving and helping people. But if we don't mention the name of Jesus and tell people that Jesus transforms lives, then we're just the same maybe as everyone else. And more importantly, if we don't mention Jesus, how is Jesus glorified and made famous in Teesside if we don't talk about him? If we don't talk about him, if we don't mention Jesus, if we don't talk about what he's done in our lives and in the lives around us, then he's not being made famous in our worlds. And that's why I'm talking about Christ-centered ministry, because it's all about him. And do you know, sometimes I don't even tell people my own testimony. My testimony's my testimony. It's my story, you know, but I've got to be honest, it's not as fun, as interesting as other people's testimonies. So sometimes I tell the story of a guy called Richard. So Richard was a guy who came to the Oakwood Center, and he was on community service, which means he did something bad. And so he's being punished effectively by doing unpaid work. And while he was on the course, there was another guy who's also done something bad because he was on unpaid work, who said to Richard, well, do you know what? You're in a mess. 
And he says, and do you know what? You need Jesus. I love it at that. <laughs> God's using people who are not even walking with the Lord. And he's like, no, no, you need Jesus, man. And he prayed for him. And so Richard came into the building, and he wanted to tell us about this idea of a new business. But he told us, oh, someone's prayed for me out there. I said, that's awesome. So I talked to him about God transforms lives. And we prayed for him again, and we invited him to church the next day. And he came. And he came to church, and at the end, they did a, a gospel call, and he responded to the gospel, and he gave his life to the Lord. Now, I wish I could tell you the, the story just went, it's just like plain sailing from there and on. But it's a bit messier than that, isn't it? You see, he had done something wrong, so the next day he went to court, and he was found guilty of fraud, and he was sent to jail for 18 months. Jesus didn't rescue him from, from, what he had to, from the price he had to pay. But here's the difference. He went to jail and he took a Bible and he held on to what God had said to him. And actually, he rang us from jail, didn't he? First ever call from jail. So cool. Would you accept this call from Preston? Yes! This is interesting. Um, and uh, Richard got out of jail and he came and started uh, uh, working at 313. And actually, he's gone on to start his own uh, charity, which is helping those who are ex-offenders move into work, having walked through that himself. And God has completely transformed his life. And you know, sometimes when people come into 313, I tell them the story of Richard. But here's the key. If we were just supporting Richard, getting his job, and we helped him, then that's great. But would Richard have made a decision and turned his life around and done, been where he is today if we hadn't have said, Jesus is the one that can transform your life? Jesus is the one that can set you free. And even in that moment of how, but this, how is this going to work? It's, it's, you know, I'm going to jail tomorrow. It doesn't make sense. But looking back now, he's realized that Jesus has completely transformed his life from, from where he was to where he is now. So we need, I know it's a very simple point, but to do Christ-centered ministry, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be anointed and aware of what God has anointed you to do. And thirdly, we need to be set apart Okay, it's great there's all these projects going on, but we need to talk about Jesus. We need to mention the name of Jesus and to tell people the good news that he is transforming lives across Teesside. And so I'm just going to call Steve up now uh, because Steve is, he founded 313. And, you know, and off the back of this desire and spirit of the Lord, was, has anointed Steve to start 313. I want to share a little bit more about why we exist, and then I'll be back. Okay. I'm glad Dave told me what he does, because I know he does it all day. <laughs> <laughs> the big why, really, is uh, if, if you just even leave and walk out this building, I'll watch the telly when you get home, you will see that the world is broken. It's as simple as that, isn't it? As, uh, let me just tell you some stats just on Teesside alone. And you'll have your stats for wherever you live as well because the whole world is broken, not just Teesside. The whole world. Let me tell you now that if you wanted to go to the most dangerous place for serious crime in Britain right now, it's Ersam and Newport, right where we live. Did you know there was 394 rapes in that postcode alone last year? 
There'll be someone probably getting stats-wise will be raped today. That's a, that's a broken world. If you want to talk about poverty, three quarters of Teesside's postcodes are in the top 50 poorest postcodes in the country. Three quarters. You want to talk about mental health? Teesside is the capital of suicides for young men in Europe right now. You want to talk about health? We don't live as long as anyone else in the country right now. The world is broken, so why 313? Because we want to fix the world. Why start something that looks like a training provider? Why start it? Because we're more than a training provider. We're much more than that. I often use this picture of, uh, I don't know if you're like me and you're a dad and you thought one day when the kids were younger, you'd get them a kite. Get him out of the house. It's going to fly your kite. And after like sort of two weeks, the, the kite's in the gas cupboard. And it's been there for 20 years. Well, let me tell you, that kite is the people of Teesside. They were the kites that are left behind because there's bigger and shinier and newer things and Xboxes and Playstations the world is shiny and promises much. It promises much. And the people that we work with are like those kites that are left behind in the gas cupboard. Why 313? We want to get that kite out of the gas cupboard. We want to put some wind in its sails and we want men and women to fly again. And the best way for men and women to fly again is to preach the gospel to them. Some about Jesus and have their lives transformed. And that's what we hope to do, and that's what we do. We do it in many ways. Let me tell you, we don't just provide training and qualifications and jobs. They're, they're fantastic things. There's plenty of charities that, you've heard the phrase, you know, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. Give a man a fishing rod and you'll feed him for life. I get the opportunity to give men fish and give them fishing rods. Because we need both. So we feed people, we pay for the travel, we, get we put clothes on the back. We get them through their barriers whilst they're with us. That's what we do as an organization. But whilst we're getting, giving them the things they need, we are then given the things they need for long term, which is the ability to get a job, the ability to live independently, the ability to move on in life, and hopefully with the ability to move on in life, serving Jesus after he's transformed their lives. That's why 313, because we were able to go and make a difference. Last year, 24% of our learners made a decision to follow Jesus. This year, it's 18%. So guys, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> I can tell you story after story, and we're going to watch a video. I can tell you about Phil, who come to us, living in a tent in a cemetery, heroin addict, we managed to get him turned around with the help of another project called the Moses Project. By the time he finished with those, he had his qualifications. By the time he'd left us, he'd put about two stone on. Incredible transformation. I can tell you about, in the early days, a girl called Chelsea who come to us and report that she was in a domestic violence situation and us getting the police involved. 
That's setting the captive free. That's fulfilling Isaiah. We get to fulfill Isaiah 61 every single day because most of our learners have so many barriers, such a dysfunctional life, so on the edge of, of society that we get to make a difference. We get to do that. We get to do that not in our name, but we get to do that in the name of Jesus. Simple as that. I mean, you'll, you'll talk to the guys here. I, didn't, I don't work for 3.13 and, and try and run it and put up all the chew and all the bother that goes with trying to run a business for the sake of running a business. I'm only going to do it if a life's transformed for Jesus. And it's as simple as that. Otherwise, it's not worth the effort. And Dave's going to come back and he's going to, tell, he's going to say, what are you going to do with your anointing? We get to tell people that they're of worth. You might walk by them in the street. They're made by Jesus. They're made by God. They're valuable. We get to tell them that they're valuable, that they're worth something. We get to put hope in their hearts that they've got worth and that they, they can change in Jesus. We get to make relationships because like everything else in the world, you need a good network of friends to help you up that ladder, don't you? We get to help them holistically, whatever their problem is. Why? Because we want them to leave empowered to go and live their lives for Christ and work independently themselves. We get to do all that. I want to say this to you. Isaiah 61 needs to be fulfilled by each and every one of us in the room. We need to go and set a captive free. We need to preach the good news to someone. We need to go and help and change them stats. We need to put some wind in them kites. That's the things that we were... The gospel's not for here and for sing, singing some songs on a Sunday morning. It's for taking out there and sharing with your work colleagues, sharing with your student mates, sharing with your friends, sharing with your neighbours, and sharing with those who most need it. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in here. And I get the opportunity to go and do that every day. And it's a privilege to serve the Lord in that way. Can we put Kendra's story up? This is a story of someone who's come with us and her life's been changed. There is a warning, if you want to block your kids' ears, that this story has. Uh, it does have some when sensitive stuff. When I was 18, stuff. I went on a night out. And Doing something special here. And actually, that secondly, he's using a Christ-centered ministry where we openly talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done in our lives with everyone we meet. We don't preach at them, you know, but we, we do is we invite and, and ask questions. Can I share my story? Can we share more about them? So we want you to feel inspired and feel encouraged by what, uh, for what God is already doing. But lastly, what about us? What about you? today. And uh, I just want to finish with a story. In fact, should we stand? We're going to go in a minute into worship. Uh, and I just want to close with a, uh, a story. Actually, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a 313 story. This is a, a personal story from mine that uh, God just laid on my heart. Uh, back in 2008, I think it was, uh, my wife and I went to a conference in Oxford, and there was a guy preaching there. 
And look, it wasn't the most, you know, amazing, charismatic preach ever. But at the very end, having read out these words from Isaiah 61, he asked a question. He said, are you doing everything in your world right now to bring good news to the poor? And I just sat there and, and I just felt the Lord just laid it on my heart. And I just thought, no, I'm not. That was me. It was just a, it was a painfully long silence that he held. And I just thought, and I was in that moment, I just thought, no. And, uh, and we were driving back and I thought, how do I say this to my wife? Because I feel like God has put something on my heart to serve the poor. How do I tell my wife this? Because do you know what? The timing wasn't great. We were, she had fallen pregnant. We were expecting our first child. We had just moved house. We had just taken on the worship ministry in church. This wasn't the right time to start a new ministry. But God had spoken because I had asked the Lord, what do you want to say to me? What have you anointed me to do? And he said, we want you to feed the poor. And so, long story short, we started a ministry. We had no idea what we were doing. I'm not exactly the world's most famous cook and chef, but we made a spaghetti bolognese in an area of Derby where we were living at the time, in an area that was unreached. And we started serving the poor. And do you know what? The first week, no one turned up. The second week, two people turned up. But we were responding to what God had put in our hearts. And eventually, the word got out, and more and more people started turning up. And I didn't feel that I was anointed to lead a ministry like that because I didn't never, I'd never done anything like that before. But God gave me everything that we needed for that ministry. And gradually, more and more people every Thursday night started turning up for this meal. And for, we had two, four, 10, 20. Within three months, there were 70 people turning up on a Thursday night to be fed. And we were reaching out across the church and the churches across the city of Derby to get involved and support and, uh, and make this ministry work. And do you know what? You know, it was, it was an incredible sort of time where God had sort of given something that didn't always make practical sense at that time. And now, 18 months later, we, we moved to South Africa and we handed it on. And actually, that ministry has grown and grown and grown. And today, that stands as one of the biggest homeless charities in the East Midlands today. Not because of anything we did. Because people who have taken it on have actually developed that and taken that further. What me and my wife did was we just responded to a very simple word from God. When he spoke to me and he asked a question and said, Are you doing what you can right now? And I thought, no, that was it. And second of all, I just, I remember there was this guy that would come and I remember we felt challenged. We were starting to feed people and cook meals, but I remembered the words of Isaiah 61. We must bring good news to the poor. So we invited the church to start bringing more volunteers in to sit with people, to talk to them about Jesus. And I remember I was on the door and there was a few guys there. There was this one guy. Now, I'm not very good with names and there was lots and lots of people coming every week. So I had nicknames for them all. So I had this guy called Cauliflower. <laughs> I feel really bad for this one. He had a cauliflower ear from rugby, from playing rugby. Uh, I think his name was Simon. But anyway, um, and I used to talk to him and I found it quite hard to talk to him about Jesus. If I'm being really honest with you, we talked about football. We talked about rugby. We didn't talk about God. 
You know, and every time I try to bring it up, you could just tell he was not interested. But you know what? The Spirit of the Lord was upon me to bring good news. So I had to just keep pushing through and tell him that Jesus can transform his life. And every time he told me something that had gone wrong, I just told him that Jesus can transform his life. And he wasn't interested. But 12 years later, I went back to visit the project that we had started. And to my absolute amazement, nobody had told me this at all. Simon was there on the door. He'd got saved and was now one of the leaders running the project. All right. Jesus transforms lives. Christ-centered ministry must involve talking about Jesus. We must tell of what he has done. We must tell people uh, that he is the one that can transform lives. But it starts in a moment like this where we have to come before God and say, what are you saying to me, God? So I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes from where you are stood. And I don't know what your situation is, what you're involved in. You might be already involved in various ministries. You might be already involved in works that is supporting people. Maybe it's time to ask God, am I doing the right thing? Is this still for me? But I want us to ask the question, what are you saying to me, God? From the words of Isaiah 61, what have you anointed me to do? And am I doing everything I can to bring good news to the poor? Just spend a moment just hearing from God. Because we don't want to leave this place without asking the question. respond to this call this morning I'm just very simply just going to ask you just to just stretch out your hands in front of you you don't even need to come out of your seats because I just want to pray over you if that's okay if you want to respond to what God is saying so if your hands in front of you as a symbol to say you're ready to receive not just in this moment but ready to do something about it as well so Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We need you, Holy Spirit. 
to come and fill our hearts and fill our lives with your goodness, with your grace, with your mercy, with your joy, with your peace, and with your patience. Lord, we do not want to serve and do ministry in our strength. We want to be filled. In fact, we need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. So come, Lord, and fill us up. And Lord, let us be aware of your presence, but aware of your anointing. Reveal to us, Lord, what you have anointed us to do. Lord, speak to us, Lord. Spirit of the Lord's anointed us to bring good news. Where can we bring good news? Lord, I want to pray for every single person in this place right now that wants to respond to you. That Lord, I want to pray for boldness to bring good news to the students, to the, the guys on the school runs, to the neighbors, to friends at the gym, to friends at the university, to friends at work. Lord, we can't save people. You can save people. But we can tell of what you have done. So I want to pray for boldness right now. Boldness and courage to bring good news. That God, you transform lives. You set the prisoners free. You set the captives free. You bring liberty to the oppressed. It is you that has transformed Kendra's life. You've transformed Richard's life. You've transformed many lives. And God, there is so much more to do. As Steve shared, some of these horrendous statistics here in Teesside, I want to pray, Lord, for courageous and bold men and women to rise up and to respond to the call on their lives to do something about fixing this issue. We want to pray for your Holy Spirit, for your anointing to bring good news to the poor. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let's worship.